Yes, exactly. Uh, well, I'm, I thought I would start by reading the verse that got us started uh, or cent centralized. And, and um, I feel like the Lord took me one way. And if that's all we get to today, then that's what we'll get to. And if we get further, then we'll get further. Brad, Brad and I... Um, Finding our way tag teaming through this morning, but um, but there's also yeah, just just by the by, there's just a lot of things going on for you guys at the moment, and uh, just want you to know we see you and thanks for living out transparent. I know there's lots at the moment. Yeah, uh, between family and health and house and life and. Um, the things you're risking at the moment, the things you're putting on the table at the moment are um, uh, motivating and inspiring. And um, I know that sometimes also feels a bit lonely, I imagine. And uh, <sighs> I'm going to try to run you down, be with you in it. Yeah. It's, um, I... Um, this is the passage that uh, a while ago Brad started to map out um, just how we'd run through uh, the next few months till Christmas. And so we've been doing Ephesians, right? And um, and then he put all these other ones in the gaps. And I've glanced at them, but um, as we've started to go, I start to realize um, 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 lots of the intentionality that's built there. And for... Um, um, and the journey that it's taking on. So these these Sundays really help um, also come on the back of and help sink into uh, the Ephesians stuff that we're in at the moment. And we've just been sitting in Ephesians for a while. And so in Ephesians chapter 4. So, um, so when I read this verse, it immediately took me back to uh, last week's, which we talked about oneness and unity. And we didn't read uh, heavily into the, the last section of last week's, but I think it ties in nicely to this week, but I uh, let me just read this verse um, because it, this is where the thought process began. Okay, and um, and it's just just Hebrews chapter two verse one. It's a principle. It's a principle. So we're not preaching Hebrews two one in in the in the or Hebrews two in the whole context, but it's a principle that stands out and is a theme throughout Scripture, which is for this reason it says. For this reason, that is because of God's final revelation in his son Jesus and because Jesus is superiority to the angels, we must pay closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard so that we do not in any way drift from the truth. And um, he goes on to talk about, you know, what he's getting into here. And we're not going to get into Hebrews chapter 2 and the, the, the theme of what he gets into, but this is a principle uh, that actually um, we see throughout the New Testament. And, and well, anytime, to be honest, um, we must pay, this is, the key, this is the key phrase, we must pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard so that we do not in any way drift from the truth. And um, so it got me started. It, um, uh, and this pinged me from when I read that, um, and that that was our thing this week. I uh, it pinged me from the the end of uh, Ephesians chapter four, the section we did, which was 
1 to 16. And I just remember um, it talking about, um, I'm just going to pick it up at, at 14, even though, um, so we, that, um, basically he's saying um, we must become mature, reaching the full measure of Christ. And then, and then in 14 he says, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on stormy seas and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine and the cunning trickery of unscrupulous men by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. But speaking the truth in love in all things, both speech and in our lives, expressing his truth, let us grow up into, into him, following his example, who's the head of Christ. Um, from, from him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, joined together, knitted firmly by what every joint supplies, when each part is working properly, causes the whole body to grow and mature, building itself in unselfish love. And this, this idea of maturity not getting pushed around by by just whatever comes and um there was a few places i thought i i i could start this morning but um i thought maybe i'd just start by by t telling you um if you haven't heard it before m many of you will have um um my ipad's not working um Oh, cause my <laughs> it's because my pedal's on. It's my keyboard. Okay, there we go. Um, I thought I'd tell you the story, um, but there's just a piece of it. Um, so some of you maybe have heard my story of how I almost died at Gunamata, like here in 06. Went out, went out with some friends, uh, and it was right around this time of the year, October. And I was done with winter, and I was like, I want to go swimming. So I went out and uh, took my friends, like, you know, I was a little bit smaller than I am now, but I was still a big guy, and I took my friend's, like, sister's little, like, boogie board. And it sounds so stupid to me now because I just, like, would never, ever do anything like this. But then I just thought it was like, we just go to the beach. Anyway, and I'm Canadian, and I don't mind cold water. And so in, in I went at Gunamata. And it was just like, I just was, like, playing in the waves and stuff, and it was fine, um, or so I thought. And anyway, I got pulled out by a rip, as you can imagine. And this it's a big story. I sometimes use it to tell the gospel. And uh, it's... As I as I was reflecting on all these things today, um, the Lord landed it back on the table for me, and um, the end part of that story is um, I got I got stuck out there I'm on the thing, and a kayaker guy comes along and says, "Hey, are you all right?" And I was like, eh, "Maybe," and he was like, "I don't think you're all right," and I was like, "Yeah, okay, you're you're right. I'm in trouble." And thank goodness I told him that because he spent the next hour towing me back to to shore. And so um, when I got in, I was very cold and whatever. But the Lord brought me, uh, and so I thought I'd start there because the Lord brought me to a, a particular part of that story, which is right near the end when um, when we were coming in, we had tried to catch waves along the way and to no avail. I had broken, I had broken the strap on the board. It was wrapped around his waist. He took his strap off his paddle and wrapped it around his waist, attached it back to my board. And we had tried to catch several waves on the way in to try to shorten this journey. And um, he can catch waves really easily, but this big, big anchor back there on this tiny little board, just I just couldn't get into these waves. Anyway, eventually, 
on the last one we attempted, he said, we got to go because we're coming, we're getting dragged into the rocks. And so, so he's like, we got to catch it. And so he shoots down and it's got the, one of those coil cords and I watch it like uncoil as he disappears over the wave. And I yanked myself into it and um, actually flew in over top of him, came uh, like came piling in over top of him and took him off. And we hit the white water and, and it was just like, it was terrifying because he was my lifeline. I was basically hopeful and I got dumped and I had no board and I was in trouble and um, and we're in the water and I was just like, what do we do now? Like I just screamed at, and I remember um, we're just in whitewash and, and he just yelled at me, he just said, stand up. <laughs> you know, and I put my feet down and then like, you know, I hadn't had feet on the ground in an hour and I wouldn't, you know, that was a feeling like no other, right? In the in the whitewash, and um, you know where I went with this scripture, you know, don't don't let yourself drift. My my immediate thought is, what do you know? What do you already know? Because drifting is from something that you know, it's from a way that you live or whatever. And and um, I've been reading that John Eldridge. We uh, just finished that. John Eldridge's resilience book. It's really worth it's worth your time if you take it. But he talks about how COVID has really messed up our psyche a little bit and, and how um, how globally we're just we're just a bit messed up and we've chosen a lot of things. We've chosen uh, um, he's, he'll say it much better than I do, but we've chosen consistent consistencies and we literally trained ourselves to um, move away from what we know and try other things, try comfort things, try something that will relieve this thing. And we just, we've headed down this path of consistency and we, and, and, and we're all a bit broken. And he just admitted it for himself. He, he said, he said, I've heard the most spiritual people that I know, the most connected individual people I know talk about dark and hard things in this time and just it was really surprising to him and he's found that same struggle and so it was like oh okay so like this isn't unusual we're all experiencing this thing we've trained ourselves to to go the other way but for me um this story was so powerful because um uh and i'll and i'll come back i'll come back i'll come back to the story and the why it why it means something to me but um i i started reaching for like what I know because I drift from, I often drift from what I know and I'm not quite sure why. Um, but there's like, um, if I, if I could, I started, I started to consider this idea of like what I know. And I started with like stupid things. Like if you really think like, what do you know? And I'm like, well, I know that if I, I don't know, you know, just easy things. Like if I know that if I just, you know, I've got a gym membership. So I know if I just get up and go work out, I'll feel better and it'll be better for me. Right? I know that. It's tangible. It's like a choice. Uh, I know that there's this app on my phone that's super distracting to me. I just, it takes me out. It's something I go to all the time. I know that it's not helping me. Um, what do I know? I, I was like, I was like sitting down to write this really big spiritual list of things that I know, you know, about what the Lord has said to me or what, what is so amazing about, you know, this life with Jesus. And I'm starting to write this garbage, you know, well, I know that if I go to bed earlier, I'm going to function better. You know, I know that if I look at my kids in the eye, it's going to serve 
them and me a little better. You know, like I just started to write this list of things down, like things that I know. And I was like, oh, this is weird. So I started trying to do some of them in the last few days, like just really intentionally, like I'm just going to start to do it. I'm going to delete that app. I'm going to choose to pick up the thing. I'm going to I'm going to try some of these things. And I guess I guess my encouragement today, um, yeah, like like as I began to do those things or choose them a little bit, it was like something happens. Um, something happens. Like we we choose we choose to reflect on good things this morning, and it can seem cheesy and can seem like well, that's no different than anything secular. But but then I remember that God is good, and God wants the best things for me. And so God actually made these principles. These aren't secular or Christian principles. These are people, humanity principles, like focus on the good, like come with thanksgiving and praise. It'll serve you, you know? Like these, these are principles that God has for us. And so I, I, as I began to feel like, oh, I can choose, like, like I think I've been feeling in the whitewash, like in the whitewash of this story, I think I've been feeling a lot lately, like I'm just drowning, like I just can't get out, like I'm depressed or I'm struggling or I'm wrestling or I'm reaching and I have these little moments where I'm like hopeful, you know, um, but I'm like, yeah, and for some reason this week, the Lord just reminded me of that story and just said, stand up. And what I realized is like, <clears throat> I'm not... I'm not just a series like like that came after on the back of deleting some apps and intentionally sitting down and like fighting for something, making some choices. Right. And he, I think he comes behind those things, because like when I choose the things that are destructive to me, the power of that is dark and or just me. It's one or the other, right? There's some power there and I'm just choosing things and I just train my brain to think, well, I just need you know, another show, another meal, another, you know, whatever. I just need another game on the, the tennis swiping app. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. Like, that's what my brain just does whatever, reaches for whatever. And it, and and mostly, un, mostly not super consciously. Like, I'm not like, yes, exactly, that's what I need. But sometimes, also, that's what I need right now. And so I trained myself that way. And in COVID, we sort of survived with what, how we could. But but now, like, now I'm just like, oh, man, I think I'm, like, trained to do a lot of things that are actually destructive to me. So that has a power. But what was interesting to me this week about choosing some things, like, just intentionally, like you said, like, I'm just going to choose to, like, pray into this. Like, and immediately something happens. Like, the power of God, like, it's like the fruit of it. It's, I can't even explain it. It's not I'm so good. It's he's so good. And he's trying to move good things into my life. And as soon as I just open that door and shut the door to these other things, it's like his power comes. And it's just like, woof. Like, I, and I, I'm not, I don't even feel qualified. Like, I felt, I felt like I'm standing in the, in the shower. Um, well, you don't need the picture, but I'm in the shower this morning. <laughs> Sorry. And I just feel like the Lord is like, is like saying to me, like, um, like, I hear it in my head. Like, you are not qualified to share on this, right? And I just and I just say back to the enemy or to the thing inside of me that determines that like I know. I get it. 
yeah, but it's not really about that. Like, I, I gave up my qualifications. <laughs> I don't, like, and, and for me, the picture of the wave is so powerful because I'm not the sum total of all my good and bad choices, right? And, like, I've made it just enough good ones, so now I'm able to make a few more good ones and I'm good. You know what I mean? I'm the sum total of a savior who pulled me out of the deep water and can say, like, stand up. You don't, you no longer have to be, I've done the work, I've done the hard, the long, the big, the, and I know for some of us, we're still feeling in deep water. I, I get that, and we're clinging, and we need him, um, but somehow for me, I just, I also feel like there's a picture of, of I am the product of grace. Yes, I have made some poor choices consistently in COVID or in just in survival mode of what I needed, you know, and in my life. Like, I don't even blame COVID, just life in general, you know, and, and I'm the product of my parents' choices in that way, and I'm the product of lots of things, right? And so all those things exist, but there's also solid ground. And he did the hard yards to pull me to this point. And so it's just, the rest of it's just whitewash. <laughs> like it's almost an illusion. It, it's scary and it's loud and it's a mess. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm beat up, but I can put my feet on something solid. And I just felt it this week. Um, I don't, and I don't want to, I'm reminded of the, you know, the verse, you know, like, should I go on sinning so grace can abound? I'm held in that tension. I'm making choices to allow God to move me to good things. But the tension there is also, I didn't earn that. I didn't even get myself to the place. You know, grace is that I didn't get myself to the place where I could choose that. He got me there. But now I believe we can have a choice. Like, I really believe that we have a choice. I, I believe that when we put our faith in Jesus, now we can choose some things. And I think it's really important that we not drift, guys, from the things that we know. And I know that the, all of us have a list of different things. And the list goes deeper, right? Like, for me, like, it started there. But as you start to get into it, like, the things of God that he has said to me, like, like, um just truths for me. Like, I like the way that you think, Curtis. I, um, I, I love you. You're my son. Like, like, um, I mean, we, I could get into, I, we could go down all the tangents of Curtis's truths. Um, but I know that if, if I want to go with him, um, to hard places, we can do that. I also know that, um, he's led me to do this journey with people. And something that I know is that I can't do this journey alone. Yeah, and so part of that's me sitting here saying, yeah, this was my little conversation with the Lord, but I, I want to go it with you. I want you to see me, and I want to see you, and I want to be in it with you, and I no longer want to just get be tossed around the whitewash. I feel like in some ways we are in danger at the moment of just being everyone just floundering around in the whitewash. Yeah, and if we just stand up, maybe we could link arms and 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 walk out of here. I don't know. That it's a picture. I don't know, some kind of Navy SEAL picture or something, but maybe like we could survive this whitewash if we could just stand up and just know that the grace the battle's already been won. The big, the deep stuff, the really hard stuff, the the death 
that was coming for me was already beaten. I just needed to stand up and acknowledge it. And I guess, um, I guess in that, I hope to revive our hope around, um, yeah, that he's won. And, um, Yeah, there's more pieces. I don't know, but I think I think I would. I think. I think I am. I think the principle is true that I, I have the choices, and I am the. I am, I am where I am because of the choices I've made. But also, grace has me pulled from the deep water and now I'm in the whitewash and now I can choose to stand up. And I guess I, I love those two tensions. I am the product of my choices and I'm not. <laughs> and somehow that keeps me in the middle and that has me standing on something firm in the midst of hard things at the moment. And, and I'm watching you do that big time and it's been inspiring. And, um, and I'm glad to be in it with all of you. Um, and I want to be in it more with all of you. I guess that's my heart too. So, anyway, I'm going to turn it to you. See what you do with it. Yeah, that's a great story and really good thoughts, Curtis. Thank you. Yeah. This, yeah. 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 I think I think like this idea of drift um, uh, that Hebrews chapter two talks about like you know now more than ever you know it's essentially what it's saying that you know once you know essentially the hebrews verse in hebrews 2 1 is talking about the fact that the people of god had been given the law of moses and they've been given a set of rules that they needed to follow and basically the whole faith was about following this set of rules it was about knowing them holding on to them and following them so what he's saying here is you know, he's talking about the new revelation of Jesus, that he's come and he's accomplished on our behalf that which only he could, and that now more than ever, we need to hold to what we know, that we have been advantaged in every way, and that more has been done and more has been given, and we need to hold on to what's been accomplished. And uh, this idea of, of um, resisting a drift came up in a conversation that I was having with Hannah. We were just talking about life and we were talking about life directions and we were talking about, um, you know, purpose and where life was going and, you know, some things were changing in Hannah's, in Hannah's thinking on things. And I started to reflect in my own life with her and I said, you know, like sometimes God tells you things and they don't make sense or sometimes you have this idea of what life should look like or, you know, you come to believe you are something or you're called to something or you're purposed for something or there's something that God's going to accomplish. And, you know, there's a hundred little things that, that let us move away from what we were made for. You know, when I, and we don't partner with that in one big step. You know, we don't move, we don't move in one giant leap uh, you know, it's, it's in a hundred little ways that we start to find our life headed a direction. And we've seen that in the story of the people of God, right? You know, the people of God go, right, we will follow Moses out of, out of Egypt. Our God's going to free us. They see the great miracles like the Red Sea opening and God providing manna. But what happens? They drift from God, right? They start to go, why don't we have this? And why don't we have that? They start to drift from the promise that was given that there is going to be a promised land. And that's why you're here. And that's why you're facing what you're facing. And all of a sudden, they don't want God anymore. They don't want Moses anymore. They don't want Aaron anymore. They want a different path. You know, uh, the same is true. 
Joshua goes in, they conquer the promised land, they see miracle after miracle after miracle as God goes in and drives out the, 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 all, of the, all of the foreign nations for the people of God and gives them the promised land. You'd think, wow, this is the thunderous moment of the story of the people of God. Here we are. This God could never be forgotten. Who he is could never be turned from. You know, and at the end of Joshua's life, he says, you must decide whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He gathers all the people together and he gives this huge speech and he says, the God who has driven these armies out, who's on your side, he will not protect you if you turn your back on him. You will become the slave of the people. And that, well, we know that's what happens in the story. They turn to these people, they turn to these gods, they are displaced as the people. And it's like, we again are these people of God who are called not to drift from the grace we've been given, from the, the God who's called us to a purpose, who said that there is a, a meaning that your life holds, that there is a path that you have. And I started to think about it in my own story, like my own propensity to drift, you know? And some of the things that we hold in God, we hold for a long time. Uh, you know, and the example that I was using with Hannah was, um, you know, the promise that Leela and I had that we were going to have a kid. And I'm sorry, we talk about these, these same stories over and over again, and, and we know them. But I guess it was in like 2010 that God said to us, like, you're going to have a kid. You know, and Leela came home from this conference with a world changer bib, like a little one. She's like, we're going to have a little girl and she's going to do something amazing. And God wants this person to, to be alive. And I'm like, great, we're going to have a kid. And I'm like, I'm like, well, you better stop drinking and let's get on with it. And she's like, you know, oh, maybe the other side of my birthday, you know, I'm like, that's like four months away. Like, and I, I owed into her. You've heard this story. Like I gave it to her. I was like, you're so selfish. You're going to rob the promise of God because you don't want to stop drinking until your birthday Oof, you know like I was like this is happening this is happening now let's this is a promise that God is coming to be well you guys know it was 10 years later that Ella came to be and in the process of that there were a lot of times that I wanted to put that down I go well we just got it wrong that isn't a thing and every time uh you know I wanted to drift from it I would come back to God because he was the one who said take faith for this and I'd say, like, okay, can, can we put this down? And he would say, no, then don't you ever put this down. Hold this in faith. And to be honest, it was more painful to hold it in faith than it would be to drift from it and put it down. Like, I was ready to accept that. Oh, well, we'll live a full life, and it'll just be Leela and I, and we love each other, and that'll be a good thing. Like, I can do without this. I can let this go. And God would be like, don't you let it go. But I wanted to drift from it. Even the good things of God, sometimes we want to drift from to protect our own hearts or to make life simpler or to, to explain away the things that we can't explain or to give life purpose and meaning that we can't seem to find in the moment. We drift for all sorts of reasons. We drift for all sorts of reasons. And, and the, the truth of the matter is the path of God will be found by those who hold to him when it's not apparent. And those are, those are the moments when we want to drift those are the moments when we, when we make small compromises. And, and yeah, Curtis, you're talking about it in the sense of everyday life, you know. Uh, you know, uh, what are the things that cause us to hold to God? You know, what are the things that cause me to draw into him or to pull his presence closer or to, to acknowledge my need for him or to demonstrate that he is important? And how do I go about that? You know, and sometimes it is the moments where we're squeezed or we're pinched or 
where we feel like we have no other option or where it seems like uh, we're desperate. But, you know, we can't live. God's not going to determine for us to live in a place of desperation. And so when things back off, do we back off? You know, and Curtis, I think you've talked about it. Like, we've been in a sense of difficulty and we've gone to things other than God to try and find life or to try and be comforted or to try and explain away the challenges that we find ourselves in. And, yeah, there's two stories that I think... Um, really speak to an encouragement in a big picture because sometimes we make it all about our life, you know, and I've just talked about two stories of the people of God called to something of God that was bigger than just their life. But we're still in that story, right? Like that story is still occurring. We are the people of God caught up in the story of God. He is looking for those who will be faith-filled and faithful to him, whether that makes sense or not. And what we know is that the story of God is not going to play out sensically. Like look at the rhythms of the story up to this point. It's not going to be what you expect. You know, and two stories that speak to being prepared. I'm not going to read the whole things, but in Matthew we find two stories. In Matthew chapter 25, sort of the first half of the chapter, we find the story of the 10 virgins. Maybe it's, maybe it's familiar to you. Maybe it's not. Uh, but it says, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now, the way that this plays out, you know, the way that in, in the time of the writing of this, that, that the, the deal plays out is basically you get engaged uh, because your parents negotiated it and that's a that's a good thing. I think I'm going to negotiate on behalf of Ella, her uh, her future. That'll be a good thing. Um, but uh, and then basically uh, the the uh, husband to be goes away to um, prepare a place in the father's house for their uh, marriage. They need a place to live. The place you live is as a part of the family home of the father on his land. It could be a room, it could be an outpost on his existence, but that's basically the way that this worked. And then the wedding occurred when the place was ready. So it wasn't about an engagement for a date and a time as we uh, do now. It's about an engagement to be committed to be married when preparations are complete. And so husband goes away, builds the house, sends notice on the day of to say, preparations are complete, today's the day of our wedding. And so that's what's occurred. Notice has been sent to the home of the bride-to-be, and she's been told uh, he's coming. And so he just comes and shows up, takes her away, the wedding occurs, they begin their life together. And so these 10 virgins would be the bridesmaids, her friends, the people whom are going to be a part of this wedding, and they are waiting for the husband who is coming from the father's house to uh, marry and to take her away. So they're waiting. And as the story goes on, he gets delayed. I mean, that's a practical thing, right? Who knows how far he was coming from? You know, it's not like we just hop in an Uber in those days and everything's reliable and consistent. You're making a journey. Maybe who knows what he encountered, but he's delayed. Uh, he's not on time and it's not as expected anyway. It's going on to talk in this story about uh, the bridesmaids waiting with their lamps to walk out and greet the groom and usher him into the wedding. And it says five of them brought extra oil and five of them didn't, right? So they have their lamps. They're waiting at night. Uh, this is the light by which they're waiting and watching for him to arrive. And he delays so long that they fall asleep. Then all of a sudden they're woken up because somebody says, they're coming, they're coming. 
Okay, well, they all, oh, our lamps have gone out. Oh, fill it up. Oh, trim it. Oh, we don't have any oil. Can we have your oil? No, we might not have enough. You know, this is how the story's going. And uh, the five, they say, you need to go and buy oil from an oil merchant and um, get your own oil and we'll uh, carry on because if he comes, we don't want to miss him. Anyway, the five go off. He comes while they're away. The five take him in. And the five who didn't have enough oil missed it. They missed the moment. And it speaks to a preparation. You know? And we are all about the big moment. We are all about the big moment. We want the big story. We want the big miracle. We want the big breakthrough. I mean, I'm sharing one of mine here today, talking about Ella, you know, 10 years in coming. And it's like, we want the big moment. We want the big story. We want to be a part of the big miracle of God. We want to see him show up. We want to see him do the thing. We want to be there. But sometimes we are not those who want to give ourselves to the daily preparation that sees us prepared for the moment. And drift robs us of preparation. You know, in my daily life, am I feasting upon the presence of God? Is he important to me? Am I fostering a relationship with him? Is this real to me? It's like, I don't want to be the guy that misses the moment. And what is the moment? I mean, yes, this is, this is speaking about the return of Jesus. And I think the greatest likelihood is that Brad Olson will be one who misses the return of Jesus if he came in my lifetime. I think that's just the most likely outcome, if I can be honest. I think... I'll probably write it off as some Fruit Loop who come and say he's someone who he isn't. Like, that's the most logical and likely outcome. And so how in my life could I position myself to be one who is ready to say, Jesus is coming and I want to be there? Like, what would I need to do to position myself spiritually and relationally with him that I would be one who says, yes, that's him? Do you know what I mean? And, and if, if that isn't meaningful to us, let's take the pressure off of that moment because I think, you know, we can all go, oh, well, Jesus is coming one day, but who knows when that day is? And that's a biblical perspective and it's one that I share. But it's like, well, what about an invitation? Will I be one who's prepared and ready in the moment of invitation or will I write it off as too big or too much or too overwhelming or too, am I going to be one who will take faith in a moment to respond to an invitation of Jesus who says, would you step out? I need a someone. I need a something. I need, I need something to occur in this space, in this place, in this moment. I need the life of someone who is prepared, who is willing, who is able, who's faithful, who's positioned, who's, who's been practicing a trust in me, who's ready to take a step, you know? And, and that's the second story. I'm going to bring this to close really quickly because this is, this, we're, we're prattling on a lot longer than we should. But you know, it's the second story. is also in Matthew. It's in, in chapter 22. It's the first half again. I won't read the whole thing, but it says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent his servants to call those who had previously been invited to the wedding feast, but they refused to come. And so this is a picture of, uh, you know, um, the same story. They had been previously invited. Why had they been previously invited? Well, because the preparations were being made. And so everybody had been told, uh, this son of the king is getting married and you are invited. You know, I think we can relate to being those who are invited. We are those who are invited. So let's count ourselves even on that. But the question remains, am I going to show up to the party? And, and in this particular story, when he sends out the word to the people, he sends his servants out to go say the wedding's happening. The people who have been invited got busy with other things. Says one was on their farm, one was in a business. 
They had things to attend to. They had priorities. They had focuses. They had emphases. They had life goals. They had things they were aiming for and things they were committed to and things that their life had become about that meant this was not their priority. And whilst they had been invited and they were those who were included for a reason, uh, they, they didn't show up. They didn't show up. It goes on to say that he, you know, sends them out, you know, sends a servant a number of times. The servants end up in some trouble with the people. The people get annoyed with them, end up taking action against them. Anyway, ultimately, he says, well, fine. Just uh, go out onto the streets, onto the highways, onto the byways, and invite whomever will come. Just invite whomever will come, because we're going to, to hold this party. Anyway, the, the, the story uh, culminates at the party uh, with a person who's there. And uh, it says, when the king came in to see the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed appropriately in wedding clothes. And he said, friend, how did you come to be here without wearing the wedding clothes that were provided for you? The man was speechless and without excuse. And then the king said to the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him out into the darkness, into that place where there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. For many are called, invited and summoned, but few are chosen. You know, it's like, this is a curious bit, right? I mean, this man has been provided all that he needs to, to show up to the wedding. We are also that, right? But what am I dressing myself in? Well, what am I clothing myself in? Again, this is a preparation story. It's like God has given me everything that I need to be the one who shows up and is appropriately prepared for the moment for which I have been included. Now, one, am I going to be the guy who was invited and was too busy and had other priorities and didn't show up? Or am I going to show up wearing uh, something that wasn't intended to fit me for the party for which I am purposed? You know, I think both of those are interesting ideas. Like, you know, and I look around this room and I go, I think this is a group of people who are uh, committed to the feast, who want to be at the wedding, who recognize the invitation uh, and, and don't want to prioritize other things in life. But maybe we're still at risk of being the person who shows up and who's uh, ill, wearing an ill-fitting outfit. You know, who has not... Uh, taken what I've been given and put it on as that which fits me perfectly. You know, and that for me, in the same way as I dress myself every day, feels like clothing myself in the, in the grace which I've been given, positioning myself in the presence of Jesus, uh, allowing my life to be caught up in uh, a story that is being told and a truth which doesn't make sense to me. You know, and, and I think when we roll all the way back to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and we put ourselves in the position of Curtis's story, and go, let's not be those who get drug out into the distance. But if we have been, let's let God bring us back. Let's not be those who get washed away by the whitewash when we could just put our feet on the ground. You know, it's like, let's be those who, who stand in the moment and go, we have all that we need for this. You know, he says, for this reason, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, looping back around. That is because of God's final revelation to his son, Jesus, and because of Jesus' superiority to the angels. Basically, this is just, anyway, we, we don't need to unpack that. We must pay much closer attention than ever to the things we have heard, so that we do not in any way drift away from the truth. You know, I think the truth of my life at the moment is hard to hold on to, if I can be honest. What's true? A lot of things feel true. A lot of things seem true. 
But when I come to receive truth, uh, there is an invitation that's on offer, and there is a call and a purpose, and there is a, a moment of significance for the people of God to trust in who he is, in what he's doing, who, who would be invited to be prepared and to be ready, to be a position today and tomorrow and the next day, not, not necessarily focused on the world is ending and Jesus is coming. That's not my mindset in this, but that I would be uh, he who does not drift from that which God says to be true. And things he's saying is, the place you are is purposed and perfect. Part of the story, keep coming. You know, he's saying to Leela and I, things like there's a celebration coming. I'm telling you, we do not feel in a celebratory mood at the moment. What we feel like is coming is a fourth wave of sickness in our house. What we feel like is coming is another storyline in my broader family that's causing me grief and sorrow and struggle because someone I dearly love is in huge pain and struggling to know what to do. You know, we just feel like, what could it be next? Like week after week after week at the moment, it feels like disappointing and discouraging and defeating things are coming. And, you know, storylines play out like you're alone and you have no one and there's no, what are you even, what are you even fighting for? What's the point? Where's this going? What good things are coming? You know, those things can feel true, but the truth of the matter is they are not the truth. And picking those things up and drifting towards them will rob me of an invitation that God has to see great things on his path that he's purposed for his people. And we are those who can stand in hard things and receive the victory that's ours. Because that's, that's what's coming. That's what's coming. There is the feast. There is the celebration. And the, the path is worth it. The path is worth it. Anyway, feels a bit heavy, the whole topic this morning, or maybe even just the personal uh, applications of it that both Curtis and I have bounced around, that's not the intent. You know, the good news here is that we are those who are called. We are those who are purposed. We are those who are included. We are those who are waiting and preparing and positioning ourselves for the things of God that we might be those who are there in his presence to say, worthy is Jesus Christ because he's done it. He's accomplished it. I love that in your story. You did not get yourself to shore. You didn't. You couldn't. That's not to your shame. You know, praise God for the kayaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's reflect on this in our, in our own stories. What is, you know, what does drift look like? What, what does it look like to hold on to a, a, a true, a true, uh, what, well, if you, if, if you just take the word straight from Hebrews, you know, what does it look like to play, to pay closer attention than ever to the things we have heard? that we might not drift away from the truth. What does that look like? How does that play out? And how's that practical in our life and in our world? So yeah, let's break into like fours or fives. And um, yeah, just take a minute to talk about well, what does this mean? Or where does this sink in? Or what stands out to us? Or what don't we like about it? What do we think is just, you know, uh, helpful or irritating or uh, group for sure? Trust you had the same, but yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just take a minute and Thank God for the things he's doing in, his, in, in our lives and for the ways in which he's inviting us into something of himself. And yeah, I'll just pray that and then we'll worship and yeah, and have some lunch together. But yeah, Father, we just thank you that you are good, that you have a good plan and a good purpose for your people and that we are included in that. We thank you that uh, this is a season and moment of preparation that you continue to give us all that we need to prepare us for all that you have and, and that these lives would 
would see uh, on earth a people who are yours, desiring your story, that our lives would serve you and be caught up in the things that you have. So God, we just, we thank you for uh, a steadying truth that calls us back to you, for moments that call us to be reminded that your presence is is fuel and is life and is, uh, that the truest thing that we can find is not how we feel about our situation or how things look or appear to us, but that but that, that there is a, a deeper, steadier, surer truth that we can put our feet down. Yeah, that these things don't need to wash us out, but that, that there is a firm foundation underneath our feet and that you will bring us somewhere safe and say, stand, and there's a place we can be. So, yeah, I just thank you for these truths. Would you sow them into our spirit that we would be those who live it and not hear it? Would we be those who find ourselves calibrated to you and not drifting? And yeah, steady us and, and uh, make the path clear before us, we ask Jesus and pray that in your name. Amen.